0: psalm 34 and uh, we will read verse 17 and 18 and when you have found it please stand out of the respect for the reading of god's word the scripture tells us the righteous cry and the lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles the lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit thank you very much you may be seated In this world, there are a lot of broken things that are considered despised and thrown away. Have you ever broken something and said, okay, this is no good anymore, and I'm just going to throw it in the trash? Especially something that you just bought, and then you broke it and think, oh, this is no good anymore. Damaged goods tend to be rejected. We tend to love something we bought because it's in good, new, working condition, And sometimes we have the tendency to worship that thing. These things can be, say, a new car, a home, new furniture, and so on. But then when something damages that thing, no matter how new it is, we have a different view of it, do we not? Our view of it changes, and we don't love it like we used to. Well, this also happens not just in material things, but also in relationships. It happens in friendships, it happens in marriages, it happens in churches. When a couple is newly married, there's an air of excitement and giddiness. But with every marriage comes baggage called sin. And when that baggage is opened and that contents is revealed... Many couples don't take care of the sin, and in their pride and self-will, they continue to want their own way. This breaks the relationships, and families end up broken. Then, like any material object, people find some new replacement, and the cycle repeats itself. Every one of us has some sort of brokenness in our lives, in our past. Maybe we've grieved from a broken heart, complicated situations, loss of health, or even relationships. Whether it's from choices we've made or circumstances beyond our control, sometimes we find ourselves so profoundly broken that we don't know how things could ever be restored and we lose all sight of hope. Have you ever had something take place in your life that doesn't just break you, Or even shatters you, but it literally seems like it devastatingly disintegrates your soul. Have you ever tried to put yourself back together without God's help? Without God's help, broken people who are void of God tend to become bitter at life, bitter at people, and ultimately become bitter at God. Well, you can either be broken and bitter or you can be broken and better. Depends on whose hands are in control of fixing that broken thing. None of us can truly bring glory to God nor will our lives ever be acceptable uh, sacrifices to Him until we are broken. Only once our hearts and spirits are broken can God use us in a greater way. Now, before we dive into the meat of this message, there are a couple of things that uh, we must uh, understand and uh, clarify. And uh, we need to understand this thing called brokenness. The first thing I want you to see is what brokenness is not. Okay? Biblical brokenness is not mere suffering. Biblical brokenness is not mere suffering. Many people suffer for many different reasons. Some are a result of poor decisions, uh, others by mere circumstances. But people suffer. Some suffer through divorces, diseases, disfigurement. They may suffer from a wayward child, loss of a loved one, unemployment, family, uh, volatility in relationships, habitual sinning. We may suffer from depression, mental illness, injuries, anger, pride, arrogancy, adultery, while these are legitimate reasons for suffering, it's not the brokenness that pleases God. God uses these things many times as a vehicle to bring us to having a broken heart and contrite spirit. Not only is brokenness just mere suffering, but secondly, brokenness is not mere dejection, discouragement, or disappointment. Brokenness is not mere dejection, discouragement, or disappointment. Many great men of God who have been used greatly of God have been discouraged and disappointed. That's not brokenness. As a matter of fact, Proverbs 17, verse number 22 says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dryeth the bones. In that verse, a broken spirit speaks of the dejection, despair, discouragement, or disappointment in life which leads to depression that's why a broken spirit drieth the bones that's what that's speaking about not the one that pleases God it's that doom and gloom Eeyore disposition you ever watch Winnie the Pooh and see Eeyore he walks around like he's got this or does he walk out with a cloud over his head that's raining on him all the time and that's what Proverbs 20, uh, seventeen twenty two talks about having a broken spirit that dries the bones It's having that discouragement that just makes life miserable for everybody. This isn't what God is seeking. So what is biblical brokenness that God accepts and God wants? Well, let me give you, let's define a few terms. First of all, brokenness. Webster defined brokenness as something that is fractured or damaged no longer in working order. In the Hebrew, to be broken means to sever or shatter. Then there's that word contrite. What does that mean? Interestingly enough, in the Hebrew, that word contrite uh, gives the idea of dust to be crushed into powder or pulverized. Think of that. What is the heart? Well, the heart speaks of the inner man, the mind, and the will. And what is the spirit? It speaks of the inner disposition that gives out an outward disposition. So let's put all these together so we can understand what it means for us to have a broken heart and a contrite spirit. A broken heart or contrite spirit is when a person's inner man is severed from the inner man's self-will. And a contrite spirit means that his prideful disposition is pulverized, thus resulting in a humble disposition. To us, broken things are despised as worthless. God can take what, he has, what has been broken and remake it into something better. Something that He can use for His glory. God does not, does not discard broken people. But before God can use us for His glory, we must be broken in heart and contrite of spirit. So today I want to preach to you a message that I have entitled, The Beauty of Brokenness. The Beauty of Brokenness. What makes brokenness beautiful? Let me give you a couple of things. First thing we see is in this passage, is that brokenness readies God to hear and help us. Brokenness readies God to hear and help us. Look at verses 17 and 18 of this uh, uh, Psalm 34. It says, The righteous cry, and the Lord what? heareth, and delivereth them out of their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Now that phrase, the Lord is nigh, means that he is prepared or he is ready to hear and to help the cry of the righteous and the righteous in their troubles or burdens of soul. He doesn't always help everybody, especially those whom he doesn't know or even have a relationship. He's not obligated to help them. Well, the Lord is nigh unto them. He's close to those who are his family. And that phrase, them that are of a broken heart, as one commentator said, it refers to a condition when a burden seems to be on the heart and when the heart seems to be crushed by sorrow. To those who are troubled of soul, whether by sin or by circumstances, if you are call, uh, close to God and you cry to God for help, He is nigh to them that are of a broken heart. Because God knows you and your heart is broken, burdened, sorrowed, he will hear and help. He will not pass by you nor disregard you. I just think of the, what, what Jesus did in the beginning of his earthly ministry when he went to the temple. He he opened the scriptures and he qu- quoted Isaiah 61.1, which said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. That's the ministry of our Savior. To bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prisons to them that are bound. God will look to those who are low in their own eyes and have no confidence in their own merit. Number one, brokenness readies God to hear and help us. Number two, take your Bibles and open it to Psalm 51. Psalm 51 psalm 51 verses 16 and 17 i want you to see that brokenness is received by god brokenness is received by god in psalm 51 verses 16 and 17 david the psalmist wrote for thou desirest not sacrifice else would i give it thou delightest not in burnt offering the sacrifices of god are a broken spirit a broken and a contrite heart O god thou wilt not despise. Now the context of these verses is found from what David did in 2 Samuel 11 and 12. When he should have been out in the battle, when it was a season for kings to go out in the battle, David tarried still in Jerusalem. David committed adultery with Bathsheba, and then she was found with child by him. David conspired to murder Uriah. After a year of hiding his sin of adultery, lying, murder, David was miserable the entire time, and we know that sin cannot be hidden from God. God revealed David's sin to the prophet Nathan, and Nathan confronted David of the uh, of the adultery by giving that that story of the poor man with a lamb and the rich man with a big flock, but the rich man had a friend come come and he took the the lamb from the uh, poor man and fed it to his friend. David got incensed. Why? Because he was a shepherd. He understood. And so he said, whoever did that needs to, to restore fourfold. And Nathan said, thou art the man. And in his repentance, David penned Psalm 51. And here was his penitent psalm and he wanted to get things right with God, and he said in verse number 16, Thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. You know what he was saying? He was saying, if if by sacrifice you would accept that and receive it, by me doing good works, I would do it if you would receive it. But it, it denotes that God would not. He says, thou delightest not in burnt offering. But then he says in verse number 17, the sacrifices of God, this is what God will accept. This is what God will receive for my sin. He says, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. You see, when egregious or slight sins be committed... God demands a deeper expression and profound sincerity of repentance. If David knew that God would accept mere mechanical offerings, he would offer that sacrifice. But he knew that external expression without sincere internal contrition didn't delight God in any measure. David expressed that the sacrifices that God would receive in response to dealing with sin was having a broken spirit and a contrite heart. David grievously sinned, and he felt that the blood sacrifice offered in in, in these offerings and sacrifices was not enough to cleanse him from sin. Nor could anything remove his sin unless his heart, will, and mind, and spiritual disposition were broken and contrite. The same thing is true for us. The perfect blood sacrifice was already made for our redemption. Ephesians 2 8 9 for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast no sacrifice or act of works that we do will be acceptable and uh, 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 sacrificial enough for God Titus 3 5 says not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost only when we are humbled in our mind and crushed by the guilt of our sin, and we turn to Jesus Christ, the Bible says, that is the sacrifice that God will not despise. He will not reject it nor treat it with contempt. As a matter of fact, our humble contrition toward our sin, God will gladly receive. Psalm 32 verse five, uh, David again said, "I acknowledge my sin unto thee and my iniquity have I not hid?" I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and Thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Proverbs twenty-eight, thirteen: He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. First John one, nine: If we confess our sin, speak the same as He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. No act, no sacrifice, outward expression, will be sufficient for God to accept other than the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only acceptable sacrifice that he will take. And in brokenness of heart, we bring it to him. Thirdly, brokenness removes pride. Brokenness removes pride. I think the best illustration Of brokenness that removes pride, I have found is Isaiah chapter number six. In the year that King Uzziah died, verse number one, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Verse number 5 of Isaiah 6. Then said I, woe is me, for I am, do you know the next word? Undone. Broken. Shattered. He saw himself. He saw his wickedness. He was real about it. He accepted it. He was humble enough to realize that that's what he was. He said, I am a man of unclean lips. I, am, um, I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of lords, a Lord of hosts. That was the moment he compared himself to God and he knew that he was nothing and his self-esteem was broken. God will not put up with our pride. He is the authority and our stubbornness and pride, God will break. Because he, he is the one who wants to lead our lives. He is the one who wants to guide and direct us. He wants the best for us. When we are frustrated or angry, that's just a, a symptom of our pride that, that, uh, because we didn't get our own way. When we, get, when we have a broken spirit and when we get broken, and submit uh, our, ourselves and our authority to God. We, we must submit to God our every flaw, our every attitude, our every habit, and when we do that, He will crush it, and it will remove our egos. What does the Bible tell us in James chapter 4, verse number 6? But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. 1 Peter 5, verse number 5, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Broken people are not angry easily. Broken people are not often frustrated. They accept that life isn't about self. And whatever God brings into life's path, they have turned it over to God and they accept it. So brokenness removes pride. And then number four. Take your Bibles and open to Isaiah 57, verse number 15. Isaiah 57, verse number 15. If we would submit to these three things about brokenness, how that brokenness readies God to hear and and, uh, help us and how brokenness uh, is received by God and brokenness removes pride, then in Isaiah 57, 15, here's the result. Brokenness revives the heart. Brokenness revives the heart. In Isaiah 57, 15, the Bible says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the uh, contrite ones. Here we see that God has two special dwelling places. Think of this. In this verse, he has two special dwelling places. First, there's the high and holy place. Eternity. That's his heavenly realm his eternal habitation. But there's another place that God dwells, and that's in the heart of the humble man. He says, "I dwell in the high and holy place with him that also that is of a humble and contrite spirit." And it's not just any man. It's the man that is already broken. The most high and transcendent God wants to live and dwell with you but are we broken when our hearts and dispositions are broken disintegrated pulverized then he says I will bring them back to life to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones that's what God does that's what he wants to do but are we broken How do we get to the point of brokenness? Because it's God who breaks us. He breaks our will and our disposition. If I were to end it here, you would probably say, thank you, I'm hungry. But it would not be just because you need to know. How do we get to the point of breaking? Well, God does it, and he does it in two ways. First thing I want you to see is God's method of breaking. God's method of breaking. In Luke 20, verses 17 and 18, speaks about uh, Jesus. uh, And he's talking about the, the stone which the builders rejected. He says, and he beheld them and said, What is this then that is written, the stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner. And he's talking to the Pharisees and the chief priests, okay, who are rejecting him. And he warns them, and he says, Whosoever shall fall upon that stone shall be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. So, what is God's method of breaking? One, is He breaks us. He breaks our fall. He does that for our refinement. But, if we continue in our rebellion... We will not fall, and he will not break our fall by catching us, but he will crush us, be in the stone. And that is his breaking through punishment. And then, secondly, I want you to see not just God's method of breaking, but also his means of breaking. What, What does God use to do that? Well, first thing is he uses scripture to break us. He uses scripture to break us. In 2 Chronicles 34, verses 14 through 21, the Bible says, And when they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found a book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. And Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. You know what that means? That means the book of the law had not been being read for a long time. And Alkiah delivered the book to Shaphan and Shaphan carried the book to the king and brought the king word back again, saying all that was committed to thy servants, um, uh, they, uh, they do it. And they have gathered together the money that was found in the house of the Lord and have delivered it into the hand of the overseers and to the hand of the workmen. Then Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest had given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass, when the king heard the words of the law, get this now, he rent his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah and Ahikam the son of Shaphan, and Abdon, the son of Micah, and Shaphan the scribe, and Asaiah, the servant of the king's, uh, the king's... Uh, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for them that are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of God that is poured out upon us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord. When you get in God's word, God will use his word to break you, to show you things about yourself. When we read God's word, it shows us things about us, and he uses the sword of his word to cut at our hearts, to remove the things that do not resemble God. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit, breaking your heart and your spirit, and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. God's word, when we get in it, will pierce our soul and spirit and it ought to show us things about ourselves. And it will, and it should, and it does. And then secondly and lastly, God uses situations in our lives to break us. The word of God does it, but also situations. If you read the book of Job, Job was a righteous man. He was the most righteous man in the land. But God did something in his heart. He allowed Job to go through such trials and tribulations, and Job's world utterly crumbled, disintegrated. But then in Job, 23, uh, Job 13, verse number 15, Job still had this attitude, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. That's a broken heart and contrite spirit. You see, God uses situations to break us. Somebody once said, before God can greatly use a man, he must greatly break a man. Are you broken before God?